friends, and welcome back to season four, episode two of the To the Heights podcast. My name is Olivia Colombo. I am a young Catholic changemaker, journalist, and soon-to-be social worker. And on this podcast, inspired by the words of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, we introduce you to young people of the church, people who are making change, um, changemakers in all areas of the world who are fighting for social justice with their own gifts and talents. Today, we have a very good friend of Catholic TV who's coming on. I have made an effort as someone whose kind of career and interests and love started with um, fine art, actually. I have really wanted to highlight artists on this podcast, um, people who are doing good with their creative talents. Um, and Claire McCallan, our guest today, is no exception. Claire is a spoken word poet and she is incredible. She is one of the coolest people um, that I have interacted with. And she did a like finite series podcast for um, Grexley, which is what our podcast production network um, within Catholic TV is. She did that in like December and January. Um, it's called Letters from the Least. And she explores um, kind of her writing process and her different poems that she reads. Claire has a beautiful story um and just does so many cool things she like casually runs marathons and like super super cool um she shares a bit of her story here we were having some audio technical difficulties which is the nature of recording via zoom in a pandemic <laughs> um hopefully we'll be back to our beloved studio soon but um Bear with us if there are little skips and it feels like things are cut together because they are. Anyway, um, enough of me. I am excited to share this conversation of Claire and how she reaches to the heights. All right, I am here with a guest who is no stranger to Catholic TV recently. Um, would you like to tell us what your name is and who you are? Sure. My name is Claire McCallan. I am a spoken word poet, a Grexley podcaster, and friend of Catholic TV. And I am newly an author. Mm -hmm. My first book came out. And I am a fellow Bostonian. Yes. Yes. And we will talk about all of that. Um, I think maybe the first thing that we should talk about is the podcast and kind of the Grexley Podcast Network. I got to know you through uploading your podcast when I was doing an internship at Grexley this fall. Um, do you want to tell us about letters for the, letters from the least and just like what it is, where people yeah, can find it? Were you uploading the final versions or did you were you part of the editing process? Um, I was uploading the final. I was doing like the back end like website. Okay. Well, that's good because I'm like always terrified that I'm going to run into the poor girl who had to edit it because it was just an absolute mess I'm just tripping over my words I have I just didn't know what I was doing because of COVID I had to do it like totally independently yeah. so there yeah. was no one who like knew how to use mm -hmm. all of the crazy recording equipment it was just me being like just like shouting into the ether being like hello like yes. can someone edit this for me I'm so sorry <laughs> um yeah so letters released is a limited run 10 episode podcast that I did for Grexley and Catholic TV um, and it's basically me reading my poems each episode shares a common theme 
and reading three to five poems, deconstructing how I wrote them, why I wrote them, and continuing with an overall theme of the transcendentals in everyday life and in art. Yes, they're very yeah. awesome. Um, you came into the studio to record them, right? I did. Like after hours or something? Yeah, so I just recorded the whole thing in two five-hour chunks. So it was just like really intense. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. I would come home and I just like couldn't speak anymore. Yes, yes. I, I can relate to that. At the beginning, I think it was season one of To the Heights, we only we recorded the whole season before, since it was the first Greg Sleep podcast and like we didn't really know what was up yet, we um, recorded the whole season before we released any of it. So I did all of like the intros and conclusions and transitions and stuff for all, I think it was also 10 episodes all in one sitting. And it was like, I don't know, it was during the day at Catholic TV. So people were like coming and going next to the like glass recording studio, but I, I relate to that. It's yeah. a lot of work, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so kind of taking a step back from that, do you want to tell us about kind of, I don't know, I want to hear your story and however you want to tell it, but like how you got into spoken word poetry, how you decided to kind of take the leap into doing that full time, mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever you want to share about that. Um, yeah, I have a business degree from Franciscan University and I was super, super, super interested in politics and just a little bit of an uptight person. Um, for a very long time. And then there was some personal tragedy in my family that caused me to take a different look at everything. And uh, what happened was we lost a, um, a family member who took their own life. And in their note, they said, do what you love. Mm -hmm. And so as I did come to find poetry, that was the phrase that continued to resonate. Um, and I was never able to rationalize out of pursuing my passion after like that was the last thing we were left with. Um, so even when it became obviously very irrational to pursue poetry as a full-time career um, with no formal training, et cetera, I had to because that was like, that was the message that's become the family motto. And so for me, that's why it was such a no brainer to pursue art as a full-time career. Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved to Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. First. Yeah. And then how did you end up in Boston? Um, COVID pretty much. Uh, I was touring full time when COVID hit. And so, you know, originally it was supposed to be like two weeks of quarantining. So I was like, oh, I'll go visit my parents. <laughs> and now I live here. <laughs> so my parents live like an hour outside of the city. All right. So my next question on our list that we were talking about, I I like my list, but sometimes I like to depart from my list. Um, what kind of, what inspires you? Where do you go for inspiration? Um, I don't know. As a fellow artist, like, I don't know. Sometimes the well runs dry. Um, and I don't know. Where do you go to find that spark again? Relationships and especially interacting with strangers. Mm. Yes. find really beautiful and poignant so there's you know my personal relationships but especially as I get older and my audience grows I'm less interested in using my personal relationships because that's a little bit sacred and personal at this point um so I'm trying to keep those parts of my life separate so a lot of relationships with strangers 
and people who volunteer their stories and want to see it turn. I'm also making that transition from like being a young, I, I kind of got my start in the Catholic media world through liturgical art and like fine art and painting. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it was very personal. Cause I feel like when you're learning your craft, like mm -hmm. you share the personal parts of your heart and then you grow a little bit older and you're like, hang on, what did I put into the world? <laughs> um, right. yeah. And you have to find, yeah, I feel like interactions with strangers is very, I, I feel like in that way, I keep retelling stories of people from travels and stuff like that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of, kind of going in the stranger, like finding inspiration in strangers? Do you want to talk about both of our kind of missionary experiences, yours in Calcutta and mine in Haiti? And then there was an interesting um, th thing on social media about kind of voluntourism and white saviorism and how that ties into the missionary experience and how our experiences were a little bit different. Um, I don't know. Tell me about your time in Calcutta. Yeah, I mean, I had an unbelievable experience in Calcutta and um, just a really, I just, it, the opportunity to go to Calcutta and serve there was given to me right after I lost that family member. So um, it made a world of a difference in my healing process um, to, yeah, um, for whatever reason. I mean, mostly the missionaries of charity are just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and the wonderful people that I got to work with there and the children. Uh, I think in the conversation about voluntourism and white saviorism, I think the MCs just like completely crush it with all of their um, protocols, you know, like no taking pictures, no posting on social media. Um, if you're staying for less than a month, then all you're doing is laundry. You're not doing any form of even vaguely relational ministry because if you're not there for somewhat of a long term, we can't just be cycling people through these children's lives. Um, yeah. I think the MCs are just like, they really know what they're doing. And the most insightful thing that came to me from that conversation with other, it was suggested to me that the MCs might have a little bit of a dual mission of serving the local Calcutta community, but also um, they have a deep service of those who come to serve. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. And I, okay. I really like the whole like not cycling through the children's lives and like not, I don't know. Yeah, they do know what they're doing. Yeah, um, I, think, I think they're there to help the poor and there are different properties and mm -hmm. every day they're helping in a very physical and tangible way. Those people with very physical properties in yeah. their community, but then I think that they, they do a lot for those with like emotional and spiritual properties around the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that is so true. And that, I don't know, I have not had too many interactions with them and I don't know that's definitely something that I want to change and something that like I'm feeling more drawn to um and just like what does what does missionary work like doing it well look like um I feel like I had a lot of conversations in which actually this is kind of ironic now that we're we just shut our cameras off and you can can you see my profile picture yes, on zoom yeah. <laughs> okay so I I'm in the school of social work and I was taking a required class on diversity um, and social oppression last semester. And I had shut my camera off briefly during a class and I and my professor both got tons of emails of people like 
kind of presupposing, but also we had so many good conversations that came out of it, but people being like, oh, Olivia's Zoom picture is her with a Haitian child, like, Mm -hmm. and like people jumping in, assuming what it was, but also um, like assuming that it was an instance of volunteerism and that it was like, I was on some BC week long trip sort of situation, Mm -hmm. Um, but also so many good insightful conversations about like, you can't, I don't know, people are going to assume things and- where do you stand your ground and where do you like versus like scandal and like so many good things that is whole a whole section that I'm very interested in and I feel like there have been more conversations of and I'm glad that you had that conversation on social media um there's so much space for nuance nuance and grace that we don't allow for when we make these black and white rules Mm -hmm. that become kind of the olympic Speaking of social media, um, do you want to talk a little bit about your use of social media and kind of like it being, it tying into art and it tying into like this idea of like relationship and like almost forming relationships with strangers, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Um, How has that been a part of ministry for you? You know, like that's my, my big, big plan. My big goal is just to be a published author. That's like all I've really wanted from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's become this bit of like relational ministry and community building and it's absolutely amazing and I, I love it and it's brought so much goodness into my life not just opportunities but friendship and just mm-hmm. beauty and insight and I've learned so much and it's been wonderful yeah um, I think it's a temporary thing I think that someday as I enter into whatever the next stage of my life might be um truthfully, I won't need social media the way that I need it right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Um, As my career progresses, hopefully I won't have, um, I try to be as healthy with it and spread as much good as possible, but um, it's become a bigger part of my job than I think I would have foreseen or intended. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, some people might look at it and be like, oh, that's too much time to be spending on social media. But at the end of the day, the truth is like, it's worked. Like it has Mm -hmm. gotten my work where I needed my work to be. And it's gotten me the exposure I needed in order to progress my career at a young age. And that's exactly what I wanted out of it. And there's been so many other positives that have come along with it. Obviously there've been some severe negatives that have come along with it with creepy, creepy internet people. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. that's a good point about like it it's it's a specific chapter of your life and I feel like that makes me feel less bad about like I'm thinking about I've used social media for different purposes as kind of my growing up and career and things have morphed um over the years but also like using a a blog and then letting it die out I've done that so many times Um, but like it serves it serves its purpose and it it can be a finite chapter exactly Um, and just remembering what it is which is a tool yes good or bad it's just a neutral tool and how are we using it yes yes I like that outlook yeah um do you want to tell us more about the book yeah so stations came out my baby stations came (laughs) out I think like a month ago and it is actually a limited run just for Lent so we will be taking it off the market um on Good Friday 
and I wrote it and it's illustrated by Ryan McQuaid, an incredible Mm -hmm. uh, artist. Mm -hmm. And we retold the Stations of the Cross um, through the lenses of modern, often stigmatized crosses, whether it be uh, suicidal ideations, same-sex attraction. uh, Mm. I'm trying to think. It's so funny. You would never know that I read the book. I could not retell you these stories for the life of me right now. You could you could quote this book to me and I'd be like, oh, that's nice. Who wrote that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel that. Um, because what am I going to do? I'm not going to go back and reread my own book. I'm not like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been so exciting. So I was going into St. Clement's like a couple times a week, um, writing an adoration uh, in hopes of staying like as far away from heresy as possible. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, don't let me go wrong if I do it yeah. in front of him. Um. So it's a very painful process, very cathartic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been extremely, extremely special to be receiving everyone's feedback now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then yesterday I got a message from a girl who um, recited one of the chapters to her, I think like a sp- uh, poetry class. Yeah. Um, and it's just cool to see it in people's lives and their yes. homes and their prayer lives, their academic lives. It's been really special. Yeah. Yeah. I also imagine, I mean, tell me if this is wrong, but like not having a background in like education in poetry and then mm-hmm. having it brought into a poetry class. Mm-hmm absolutely to yeah. see it I mean to see it on universities and see it being like exactly like that read mm-hmm. and it's not like the professor's sharing it but like it's yeah. very affirming on something that I am self-conscious about because I know I don't have that background and like yeah. I did in a lot of ways it could be said that I don't know how to write a poem you know like I just write how I feel I yeah. don't people are like oh like what what format what pattern mm-hmm. what etc and I don't yeah I don't just writing my heart. That's all I have. Yeah. Uh, so it's been really nice to have that affirmation. Yeah. I love that. And mm-hmm. like writing my heart, that's all I have. Like, that's like, I don't know, that reminds me of like blessed Kiara. Like mm-hmm. I just have my heart left and like with that I can love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. Um, all right. So we can wrap up in a few minutes, but I have one more question. So okay. you and your best friend, um, are huge adventurers. How does running and hiking oh. and adventuring and all of that, how does that fit into kind of your life with the Lord and like then into your art form? Like mm-hmm. how does that impact your life? I think that's such a great question. And I think that anyone pursuing a spiritual life um, or an artistic goal should also pursue goals that have especially the great thing about being a runner who isn't even that good at running, you're teaching yourself to be so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but like not even for a really great goal. Like I'm never <laughs> going to win a medal. You know, <laughs> I'm not very strong. I'm not very fast, but I just keep doing it yeah. um, because it's good and it's right and it's healthy and it has me outside and it mm-hmm. has me just giving my best and showing up for myself and being able to show up for other people if I need to, because now I'm strong and I'm quick And it has been such a wonderful surprise for me, especially over these last couple of years to realize the relationship between it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like cultivating virtue and that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is good. And yes. And discipline, oh, just all that good stuff. You know, it's so important. Yes. I love that. That is, that is a good answer to that question. 
Thank you. I'm, I needed, I needed you to ask that because I have my, um, I have a marathon coming up in a month. So I needed fun. <laughs> Which one? Focus me. Um, Rhode Island. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. I'm pretty um, nervous. <laughs> I'm hoping to do my first marathon in the fall. The Cape That's Cod. awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I started out running on BC's club team, but then okay. I don't know that was that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does sound, that sounds really intense. Dude. Yeah. They compete in the local like professional league and that, no. Nope. That's a lot, but that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's a good, I, I like the cultivating virtue mindset um, mm-hmm. and discipline and such. Totally. All right. So for my last, last question, I always ask um, podcast guests two things um, in different forms. One, what is a book recommendation for podcast listeners? And two, what is your piece of advice for the young people listening to the podcast, particularly probably in relationship to art? Awesome. Yeah. So my book recommendation is um, Quentin's by Maeve Benchy. So my advice for young artists is like, you don't need to be the most talented you don't have to be the most connected. Uh, you don't need to have like the most catchy song or it, the, the only thing you need to succeed in your artistry is just be willing to weather more rejections than everybody else. Does that, that make sense? Yes. That I, I was just explaining this to a wonderful friend yesterday who got a rejection email. I'm anticipating one personally today. I keep checking, just like waiting for it. Um, Everyone else will give up after 10 or 15 rejections. Those are even like the really strong people will give up after 15 or 20 rejections. You just need to be the person who becomes completely unfazed by like their hundredth, 200th, 300th rejection. And it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Yeah. You need to be okay with like hundreds, if not thousands of small and really large rejections. And if yeah. you can just continue to like never lose optimism and keep showing up and keep applying and keep performing and keep creating, and that's okay. You just need to be the person who's the most okay with being rejected. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How would you, so I'm thinking to myself like, okay, so little vulnerability thing. So yeah, I, course. I am a musician as well. Mm-hmm. Not very good self-taught in guitar hey, and whatnot. Okay but I help lead our praise and worship adoration at mm-hmm. BC and I'm playing tonight and singing tonight Wonderful. by myself for the first time because of COVID we can usually only have one instrumentalist or one mm-hmm. voice. I happen to be able to do both. So they stuck me in alone. Um, how do you deal with going into situations where you like, it's not a rejection, but like what if it doesn't feel, what if it feels like a failure? How do you mentally prepare yourself for something like tonight that you're not super confident about? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that we can't go into it assuming it's going to be a failure. Okay. You know, because if we go in with the assumption of failure, failure, then we've only lost. And the only real failure would be if you didn't show up. Does True. that make sense? Yeah. The only real failure would be if you quit or didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go tonight and you could forget all the words and sing it all backwards and upside down and it still wouldn't be a failure because you showed up and you did something new. True. Um, Very true. And I think the thing, the really hard truth is like, yeah, it's not going to be, if we're starting something new, it's not going to be amazing for like two to three years. Yeah. <laughs> and that's horrible to come to terms with, but it's mm-hmm. also really freeing. Yeah. 
you know, like what we, we put this on ourselves with art where we think that you have to be, in order to be talented, you have to be like amazing the first time. Yeah. I don't know if movies have taught us that, but like there's nothing in life where you're amazing the first time. When, when does that ever happen? Yeah, yeah, that is such a good point. So the, yeah. the most important thing for you tonight is to show up and to do it with a smile and a servant's heart and free yourself from this idea that it has to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Cause who does any, who's incredible their first time doing anything. That's not yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. So just go into it and be like, I'm going to do my best. And I think you're going to surprise yourself. And when you mm-hmm. don't put these crazy expectations on yourself, I think you're going to walk away from it tonight being like, wait, I did a really good job. Yeah. I like the part about the servant's heart too, especially yeah. in ministry and like an art form in ministry, like just like it's singing for Jesus. That's literally it. Like, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Of course. All right. That is all I have. Unless you have anything else to tell podcast listeners, where can people find the book? Uh, stationsbook.com. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. I, that is all I have. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the To The Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. And a big thank you to Claire um, for taking the time to come and chat with me, um, give me advice, and just share a piece of your creative heart with all of us. Thank you so, so much. If you want to keep up with what Claire is doing, go on over to her website, which is clairemccallan.com. Also, stationsbook.com is where you can find um, her new book during Lent, which I highly encourage you um, to go check out before it's kind of taken off the market at the end of Lent. I haven't recorded an outro in so long. I'm forgetting what else I need to say. Um, As always, if you feel called to support the mission of Grexley, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Grexley. All of our other podcasts, including a few exciting new ones, are up on grexley.com. So you can head on over there. Merch can be found also at grexley.com. I'm surely forgetting something in the outro. You can find me and what I'm up to either on my website, oliviarosart.com, or on social media um, at live, L-I-V, Folio Live. Um, new, new usernames. <laughs> I think that is officially all I have for this week. Um, I am pretty pumped for this season of the podcast. I find it hard to believe that we're on season four. Um, I'm happy with how the podcast has kind of morphed and grown and I'm so grateful for the journey and the friends that I have met and just the crazy, wonderful, like, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, And I thank all of you who listen consistently um, and have been along on this journey with us. If you ever want to say hi, if you have a guest recommendation, a question, Um, you can always email us at totheheightspodcast at gmail.com. All right. I think that's all I have officially. Um, Oh, the podcast social media at totheheightsctv. That's important information. But anyway, I think that is officially all I have. Um, I will talk to you guys next week and keep on reaching to the heights. (laughs) 